0: I miss Temple Baptist Church. I enjoy going places, but uh, once I get there, I wish I was back here. Uh, But you ought to thank God for this church. If you have your Bible, open it up with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 30. Book of Psalms, chapter 30. I ask you to pray for the youngest tribut, Tracy. He went back to the hospital night before we left the church with his kidney stone that he's been battling for the last three or four days, and I don't know what they're going to do. I, I told him I'd just go ahead and shoot him, but uh, bless his heart. He's really having a rough time. If you pray for him, I'd appreciate it. Also pray for the preacher and his wife. They'll be flying home from their mission trip tomorrow. I, they, called me, they called me the other night, and I said, what are you doing? They said, well, we're, they were trying to pronounce the island, which was funny in itself. We're on such and such island. We've rented a Jeep, and we're driving around the island in the Jeep. Mom was talking. She said, tomorrow, we're going to put the, pot, the top down. And I said, oh, girl, how old are you, Mom? But um, pray for them. They're having a wonderful time. And I'm glad they were able to go. And I'm sure they'll come back refreshed. Psalms chapter 30, I want to look at uh, the text tonight. Actually, it's a micro text. It's, it's just a part of a verse. But I want to share it with you. It's a familiar passage of Scripture. But it's not a faded passage of Scripture. It still is applicable to our lives today. And I believe it is intended for someone here tonight. Psalms chapter 30, I want to look at verse 5, just the latter part of verse 5. About halfway through the verse, the psalmist makes this statement. He says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. If you read that again, I want you to listen carefully to what the psalmist says. He, he speaks all through this chapter about things that happen in his life, and then he makes this extremely profound statement. He says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning let's pray and with God's help for the next few minutes I want to speak to you on this simple thought temporary tears let's pray Lord the next few minutes are your time and I ask God that you will give me grace as I stand here Lord I need your touch if anything of lasting value is going to be accomplished here tonight it'll be because your Holy Spirit did it therefore I ask God that you will move in here And be the balm of Gilead that you've promised you will be and minister to some hurting heart tonight. Lord, give me utterance, and I'll give you the glory for everything that's said and done. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The great songwriter Fanny Crosby was blind from her birth till her death at age 95. When she was eight years old, she wrote the words to this poem. She said, Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Fanny Crosby, though she lacks sight, had a better perspective on life than the majority of us who can see. (laughs) You see, Fanny Crosby realized that everything in our life is based on perspective. It's been said that it's all in how you look at things. I like the way one author said it. He said, When the Israelite army came out and saw Goliath, all the soldiers in the army said, Oh, he's so big, we can't kill him. David showed up, took one look at Goliath and said, Oh, he's so big, I can't miss him. (laughs) Everything in life is based on perspective. In Psalms chapter 30 and verse 5, the psalmist introduces us to his unique perspective on life. He says to us, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning." What the psalmist basically tells us is that in his life, he views the tears and the trials as temporary or transient things in his life. He sees the tears and trials as things that come and go. Now, unfortunately, that is not the way the majority of us look at things, is it? We're always talking about the temporary nature or the transient joys of our life. You know what I'm talking about? We tell our young people, we say, well, bless God you just better enjoy it while you're a kid because I promise you, when you become an adult, there is no more fun. (laughs) Or we tell the young couple in love, we say, well, you better enjoy all this romance while you're engaged because it's all downhill after the honeymoon. We see life as temporary joys. Uh, Many times we see life as a long, hard struggle that has only brief Flashes of joy to keep us going. Many times by nature, we are the pitiful pessimist. However, the psalmist, he views life as a journey of joy that is only briefly interrupted by evenings of tears. You see, he has a unique perspective on life, one that many of us do not have. So what's his secret? What is it that has created in him this unique optimism that causes him to view life in the special way that he views it? I believe there are three things in this text tonight that I want to share with you that I think can help you and I in understanding that as believers in our life, tears are only temporary. Three very simple things, I give them to you briefly. The first one I want you to notice tonight, when we see what this psalmist says in this simple and small statement, we see first of all the hardships that are faced. The hardships that are faced. Now it's obvious that this psalmist is an optimist, and many people believe he's David, but he's not an ignorant optimist. Zig Ziglar said that he was such an optimist that he would go after Moby Dick in a rowboat and take tartar sauce with it. Well, I'm I'm not sure that's the kind of optimism this psalmist has. You see, this psalmist is not an optimist because he has closed his eyes to the negative aspects of life. This is not a man who has no understanding of the pain and the problems that life can bring. He's not an ignorant optimist. He's an optimist in spite of his experience. You see, if you read the first few verses of this chapter, the psalmist tells us of a time in his life when he was deathly ill. He was very sick. Sick to the point that his friends just counted him as dead. He was so sick that his friends just considered him to be already gone. So when this psalmist says to you and I that weeping may endure for a night, he understands all too well the tragedy, trauma, tears, and trials that life brings. And when he speaks to us in this simple statement, he tells us something about the hardships of life. I want you to notice a couple of things that he teaches us. Notice, first of all, that he teaches us about their damage. We see their damage. Verse 5, the psalmist describes the hardships of life as a weeping that endures for a night. Notice that word weeping. The Hebrew word that is translated weeping there is a word that literally means a dripping or an overflowing. And the interesting picture that's painted in this text is of an unwanted guest or an unwanted visitor that has showed up at the door of someone's home, uninvited. So what the psalmist tells us is that he went through a trial in his life, a tragedy, something in his life that that, that brought an unwanted visitor to his door. Who was that visitor? It was the unwanted guest of weeping. truth of the matter is, you do not face the hardships of life without somewhere... Suffering the damage that the hardships of life bring. You don't sit at the funeral home with your own family without meeting face to face with this unwanted guest of weeping. You don't battle sickness and disease for years in your life without somewhere understanding what the psalmist meant by the unwanted visitor of weeping in this verse. You see, tears, pain, sorrow are part of the damage of the hardships of life. The story is told of the baptism of King Angus by St. Patrick in the 5th century. Somewhere during the ceremony, St. Patrick leaned on his sharp-pointed staff and accidentally stabbed the king in the foot. Well, the king didn't say anything, so they went on with the ceremony, and after it was over, St. Patrick noticed the blood, and he realized what he had done, and he asked the king, he said, why did you endure that pain in silence? The king responded, well, I, I thought it was part of the ritual. Well, the truth of the matter is this. Part of the hardships of life is the damage they bring. That is part of dealing with the storms of life, is meeting face-to-face with the unwanted guest of grief, that visitor of weeping we all dread to see coming. That is part of the hardships of life. That is what we must endure. The psalmist teaches us something else about the hardships of life. He teaches us not only about their damage, but we see also their duration. Duration. The psalmist tells us of his unwanted visitor, and he says, weeping may endure for a night. That word that is translated endure in verse 5 is the Hebrew word lean. And this is the only time in the entire Bible that the word lean is translated into English as endure. What the word literally means is this, to stay when you're not wanted, to be obstinate, or to stay the night. So while the psalmist believes with all of his heart that tears are temporary, And he believes with all his heart that tears are just transient things in our life. He acknowledges with the word endure that many times that weeping and those tears will stay well past a welcome they were never given. Many times the weeping and the pain that comes with hardship will hang around long after we wish it would leave. He says that weeping may many times endure. It'll be stubborn and obstinate and stay when it's not welcome. I remember when I was in school, we studied about certain parts of the world uh, that would experience seasons of 24-hour darkness. Uh, Because of their location on the globe and and different things like that, there were certain times of the year where there was little or no sunlight at all. I thought about as a little boy how miserable that must be. But the truth of the matter is, that's a pretty good description of many people's spiritual lives. Something has has happened, and and the hardship has come, and and while it's there, they want to see light, and they look for light. And they look for some glimmer of hope, but the truth of the matter is the damage that is in front of them blocks out any light. And it seems that no matter how hard they search for some kind of hope, there's none to be found. You see, the weeping hangs around and it blocks out any of the the light that they need in their soul. That is the description that the psalmist gives us of his condition. That's what he describes to us, the hardships that are faced. But thank God that's not the end of his story. Notice something else. Not only do we see the hardships that are faced, but notice, secondly, that we see the happiness that is found. (laughs) The happiness that is found. One of my favorite authors is Clovis Chapel. And Clovis Chapel did a lot of work in the Psalms. I love the Psalms. I believe they are a treasure of truth for the Christian. Clovis Chapel described this one verse as a gem of a text. Now, what makes this text so special is not the details of the hardships. What makes this text so endearing to our heart is the happiness that the psalmist found after the hardship. That's what draws this text out and makes it shine as something unique and special in the Word of God. Notice a couple of things that the psalmist teaches us in regard to the happiness that is found. Notice, first of all, that we see joy arriving. We see joy arriving. Verse 5, it details the darkness and the hardship, but then it declares with great authority, but joy cometh in the morning. When we first see the psalmist in verse 5, he's he's wrestling with this unwanted guest of weeping, but then all of a sudden in his story, the sun begins to creep up through the clouds, and all of a sudden joy seems to come riding in like a knight on a horse, and weeping has to pack all its bags up and leave to make room for a new guest. You know who that guest is? It's joy. (laughs) I love that word joy in verse 5. The Hebrew word that is translated joy there, you know what it literally means? It means to shout or to sing. It gives the idea of somebody squealing or screeching with joy. (laughs) I don't know about you tonight, church, but I'm glad to know I serve a God who can take my sadness and transform it into singing. I'm glad tonight our Jesus can take our sobbing and change it into shouting. We serve a God who is able to bring joy with the morning. The psalmist says to each one of us Has the nighttime brought the unwanted visitor of weeping? If so, hang on, look up, morning's coming. And when morning comes, joy's coming with it. Ah, oh, thank God there's a morning. Now, in your life where there is only pain, in the morning there'll be praise. Now in your life where there's only weeping, in the morning there'll be worship. Now in your life where there's only hardship, in the morning, thanks be to God, there'll be happiness. You see, there is joy arriving. You and I can be encouraged tonight that even in the middle of our darkest night, somewhere, sometime, the sun's going to come up and joy is going to arrive in our condition. Joy is going to arrive in our situation. I like the way one author depicted this. He used the picture of a mother. An elderly mother whose only son lived far away from home. And every day she lived with the reality of the loneliness and the emptiness of being in that house by herself. And then one day there was a knock at the door and somebody handed her a telegram. And the telegram simply said this Mom, I'll be home in the morning. Now, after they gave her that telegram, the house was just as empty and she was just as alone as she ever was before. But now, once she reads that note, her countenance changes. Because she knows as the dawn breaks tomorrow, her son is coming home. You may be here tonight, and it, and it may be that your night is not over with yet. It's been dark for a long time, and the truth of the matter is, you don't see the dawn breaking. I say to you, hang on, because it will come. Joy will come in the morning. If you're here tonight, and it's been dark for a long time in your Christian life, listen to me. Take heart. There will be a morning. And when the morning comes, joy will be arriving psalmist could always tell us and teach us that there is a joy in the morning. But notice something else. We see this happiness that is found. We see not only joy arriving. Notice further, we see joy abiding. Now this optimism that we see in the psalmist is created from the fact that he believes with all of his heart that it is the joys and not the tears of life that are permanent fixtures in his life and in his world. When you look at verse 5, we see very clearly the exit of weeping, and the entrance of joy. But did you notice in that verse that nowhere, and if you read the rest of the psalm, nowhere do we ever see joy packing its bags and leaving. It appears to us that joy seems to abide in his life. Weeping was temporary, but it appears to us that joy is permanent. Now, we'd be silly to believe that there was never a, a time in that psalmist's life after that day that he faced darkness. Truth of the matter is, there were probably many times when darkness seemed to overshadow his life again and, and the unwanted guests of weeping visited his house again. But even when the unwanted guest of weeping came, the psalmist could always look back to verse 5 <laughs> when there was a morning. You see, in essence, the joy of verse 5 never left him. He could always recollect and remember the day that joy arrived in his world. In essence, the joy never left him. I say to you tonight, our lives are not to be marked by our darkness, but rather by our days. It is the peace of God, not tears, not in spite of tears, but with tears that God has ordained for our life. I like what William Barclay said. Barclay said this, the Christian is the man of joy. The Christian is the laughing Cavalier of Christ and then he said this A gloomy Christian Is a contradiction in terms I don't know about you but I'm Glad tonight that for the child of God Joy has not only arrived but It's made itself at home I'm glad tonight to say that joy Has not only showed up it's stuck Around it stayed with Us joy is an abiding trait in our Life Jesus Christ came That our joy may be full not fleeting We have an eternal Joy In Jesus Christ. And that is the happiness that the psalmist found. But I want you to notice something else. The third and the final thing. We see not only the hardships that are faced. And the happiness that is found. But notice thirdly and finally we see the hope that is fundamental. Somebody has said that we can live 40 days without food. Eight days without water. About four minutes without air. But only a few seconds without hope. I'm glad to say tonight that if the Word of God offers nothing else, it offers hope. Jesus Christ did not leave us helpless. He left us hopeful. We have a hope in Him. His Word of God offers us hope. And in Psalms chapter 30 and verse 5, there is a fundamental hope that you and I can draw and apply to our lives. But you notice a couple of aspects of this hope and then I'll be done. First of all, when we think about the hope that is fundamental, we see a first lesson. And that is this. No night is permanent no no, night is permanent I love this story I read about an old slave woman who used to testify in her church about how she dealt with trials what she said was she got up in front of her church and she said when when trials come into my life I goes home and I get my Bible out and then I open my Bible up and I start to flip through it and ain't long before I come across a place in there where it says this and it came to pass she said I shut my Bible say thank you Jesus It didn't come to stay, it came to pass. (laughs) One of the fundamental hopes that you and I find in this verse is that regardless of how long the night is, somewhere, sometime, there will be a morning. No night is forever. You and I are not Christians who have been sent into a life of darkness. We're sent into a life of delight. I'm about to get shocked, ain't I, Aaron? Well, if I fall down, Aaron, my notes are up here. Pick up and go. It may seem like forever since the sun shined in your life. If that's you, I say, don't get discouraged. It doesn't mean the sun has gone anywhere. It just means you're that much closer to the daylight. No night is permanent, no trial is forever. Praise God. We have hope there is a morning. Mr. Spurgeon said this. Rick, I'm gonna turn this thing off before I get popped. We think. Is it me? Well, either way, no night is permanent. Say amen. <laughs> I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, only lasts till morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G. The truth of the matter is tonight, no night is permanent, no night is forever. But notice the, thir- the, the last thing. We see this, this uh, hope that is fundamental. We see not only that no night is permanent, but we see further that no night is purposeless. Before I quit tonight, I want you to see something. The last two verses of this chapter. Look at what the psalmist says. The psalmist reveals to us another aspect of this hope that is fundamental. Look at verse 11. Listen to what he says. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Continues in verse 12. He says, to the end. That my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Oh, at the end of all of his life, the psalmist begins to reflect and look back over everything that's happened, and he says, Praise God. <laughs> he says, Lord, you took my garments of grief, and you guarded me with garments of gladness. And you did it for the express purpose that one day I might be a vessel that will sing forth your praise. This God, everything I went through was for the purpose that one day I might be a person who sings your praises Amen. in a dark world. Amen. Oh, in other words, friend, even when the weeping visitor arrives at your door, there's a holy God whose hand is working and fashioning in your life Amen. so that one day you will be a vessel that will sing forth his praises and not Amen. be silent. All of us have to face the, vi- the weeping visitor of the night. But be assured to there is us a God whose plan is at work in your life. No night is purposeless. He is working in our hearts and our lives. Oh, as Dr. Herbert Lockyer said, whether the south wind blow bringing prosperity or the north wind blow bringing adversity, the love of God will never change. And it is that love of God that we can cling to in the middle of the darkness, and say, Lord, I know you're working in my life. The song says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. He makes no mistakes. He knows the end of the path that I take. For when I am tried and crucified, I shall come forth as God. No night is without purpose. Truth of the matter is, tonight, no one enjoys the nighttime. Nobody enjoys the weeping that comes with the night. But in the life of the believer. Isn't it good to know that tears are temporary? Isn't it good to know that it is our joy that is permanent and our tears that are temporary? With everyone head bowed and eyes closed, if the musicians would come and begin to play softly, I know there's been some distractions tonight, but I believe that I have preached what God wanted preached. I believe there's people that come to church every week who know all about this weeping visitor of the night. Maybe you're here tonight and you'd be honest enough to slip your hand up and say, Terry, pray for me. Right now, it's dark in my world.